desert wind is a raider, this is the Silver and Black Today podcast. The latest in Raiders news, views, and interviews from the home of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Check out the only independent news source covering the Raiders based in Las Vegas. And now your host, Scott Goldbranson. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Are you ready for some football? I'm not talking about training camp. I'm not talking about practice. Well, it is practice. Let's face it. Preseason game. Seattle Seahawks coming up on Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. The first game, Raider game that is, at Allegiant Stadium with fans. It was a practice this week. Fans were out there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, First, just a little personal thing. I lost my my dad on Friday. Just want to dedicate this podcast to the memory of my father, Paul. And uh, appreciate all the well wishes from everybody out there. And joining me today is my co-host, no stranger to anyone in Raider Nation, the Archduke of Avocado, the Knight of Knowledge, Mr. Mo Moten. Mo, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Big big respects to your dad. Just wanted to get that out of the way first. Well, I appreciate um, that. Or anything. But um, I'm excited. I mean... It's not regular season football, but we're almost there. <laughs> and uh, I see the fans are getting there's a little more interest. A lot of people took the summer off before preseason started, and now they're back. And a lot of Raider debates going on on social media, so I'm ready to get to it. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a nice way to put it, debates. Uh, it's, 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 it, there are some good ones out there, and, and you, you often, um, and of course, Mo covers the NFL. He covers the Raiders, of course, has done it for us at Silver and Black today for a long time uh, on the radio, here on the podcast, and of course on the website, uh, and also a major contributor over at Bleacher Report where he covers the entire NFL. There's nobody who works, and with all due respect to men and women in the NFL media, uh, Mo works uh, just as hard or harder than any of them. Uh, so he's getting busy and he's getting for geared up for his big football season as we roll into preseason. Uh, and just a reminder, make sure you check out, uh, we are covering Raiders camp uh, day by day uh, up on VegasSportsToday.com. So make sure you check out the website, check out uh, reports there from myself, Kirk Kern, who is our editor-in-chief now. And Kirk uh, also covers the Raiders. He'll be doing most of the game coverage in Las Vegas this year. We'll do a couple road games including I'll be up in Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So now that I'm in Ohio, I can actually get up there pretty quickly. So we're going to do that uh, as well as everything else going on in the world of Vegas sports at VegasSportsToday.com. But Mo, we jump in now. And of course, we've gone into camp. And I want to start with sort of where we started. When we look back 14 uh, or oh, 15 days ago now, when camp started out in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare Training Center, uh, there were big questions around this team, right? Going into camp. Uh, one of them was not Derek Carr, thank God, for one year. Um, Are you sure I, about that? <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know some people, some people, it's their whole existence and it'll never go away. A point taken, and you're always right with that for for sure. But when I look at this camp, for me, and I want to hear what, what, what you have to say about this, but for me, going into this camp, there's a lot of questions, of course, as there is every year with a team who finishes around 500 or, or a little bit below, as the Raiders have done um, for the last few seasons. But when you look at the questions going into camp, for me, because of what happened last year, it was about three things, defense, defense, and defense, right? Uh, and so you look at that, of course, you have the offensive line, big changes there. Gabe Jackson's gone. Trent Brown's gone. Rodney Hudson is gone. How will they gel? How will they perform? For you, though, Mo, covering this team, covering the NFL, what, what are the biggest questions for you when you look back 
two weeks ago as they rolled into camp as to what this Raiders team might need to do, what they needed to look at before they hit the preseason, of course, before they hit the regular season. I've said this countless times, but I think the Raiders 2021 season is going to come down to how well that offensive line plays together. Mm. I think people underestimate the cohesiveness an offensive line needs to have to play well. Of course, that quarterback center exchange is very important. A lot of people don't talk about it because usually it goes smoothly until there's a fumble or a high snap or a low snap. But, you know, Andre James is going to have to fill some big cleats and hasn't played a lot. I know a lot of people talk about that game when he stepped in or a couple of games when he stepped in and played well. But how is he as a full-time starter? And again, not just him, but that entire offensive line. You could possibly have three new full-time starters. Depending on what happens at right guard between Denzel Good and John Simpson, that is a battle that I think that people should keep an eye on. But it's a possibility that John Simpson could win that, and he'll be the third again, the third uh, new offensive lineman on that on that group. So that's something to look at. Of course, Richie Incognito has to stay healthy. Yeah. Missed a lot of time last year. The other thing I'm looking at the wide receivers. Everyone knows Darren Waller is the top target on that offense, but if you're going to have a complete passing attack. You don't necessarily need a wide receiver one, but you're going to need two young guys and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards to step up. Yeah, and, and I was going to start talking about defense, but but I like where you went with the offense. So we're going to go that direction first. We'll get back to the defense in a minute, and particularly one player I want to talk about. But you look at that offensive line, and, and you're right. that You have to be able to protect the quarterback in the NFL. You have to be able to um, really be able to move that offense, especially with John Gruden and running the ball. Yes, they got Kenyon Martin uh, to spell Josh Jacobs, which hopefully means Jacobs can play an entire season for the first time in his career without getting injured and get out without uh, being worn out. But you look at that line, you start with Colton Miller, left tackle. Of course, all the uh, attention is on Colton Miller. He's getting a lot of praise. He has progressed nicely as a player after so many people, including a lot of hardcore Raider fans, thought he was overdrafted. uh, But he's done well. Then you have Richie Incognito. At that age, you just don't know, right? Yes, he's healthy. He says he's coming in. He's looked good in camp so far. Then Andre James, you mentioned at center, replacing the beloved Rodney Hudson in Raider Nation there. Then Denzel Good at right, at right guard. Uh, and then Alex Leatherwood, the rookie, over at right tackle. When you look at this line, uh, there's some guys that you're going to need to step up there. And I think one of the guys, Mo that uh, is really interesting and, and we're hearing great buzz from our colleagues out of Henderson about and he spoke to the media today and I got some sound I'll play here in a minute but that's John Simpson uh, because if Richie Incognito you got to figure even at Incognito's age even if he plays well and does everything everybody thinks he can do as a veteran, uh, you just, at that age, you expect a guy to miss time here and there, right? He might miss a game here. He might need to come out early, whatever it may be. So John Simpson and his development after being drafted last year by the Raiders coming out, he's one guy that, that you really need to see make a big step up. And so far, that's what we're hearing he's done. And he talked to the media this week, and I want to play a little bit and get your reaction here about John Simpson and, and his own development and how he he talks about that new revamped uh, remade offensive line. Here's John Simpson. Oh, for sure. Um, having, having guys like Richie and Denzel um, and even the guys in the past, like they, they would just help you and stuff like that. And I just felt like the chemistry, even from last year, was just it, it, we all like gelled together. Um, it don't matter if you're a first string, second string, third string. We all want to help each other to be better and the best that we, we can be. Um, it's a lot of competition in the room, um, and, and it's, it, don't, it don't really feel like it. We all feel like brothers, and we just try to be the best that we can be every day. So I think that has a lot to do with why we – um, gel together and, and, and just 
we're all just ready to improve and just be better, best that we can be. So there you go, John Simpson, Mo, and and I mean he speaks to there about that room being competitive, but that room gelling well together. Um, and I think with an offensive line, obviously we're not going to see some of these guys in the preseason game, so we won't really start to see how this unit performs until week one. Um, how long though are you going to expect this unit to go out there and play before they find their stride? I give it a quarter of a of the season, assuming that. The right side of that line plays all three preseason games, and I do expect that because yeah. even if it's not Denzel good starting, as you said, you, can you really depend on Richie Incognito to play every game in a 17-game season? Mm. He's missed 18 since he's come back to the Raiders. He's played 14, missed 18. <laughs> so a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Richie Incognito's back. We're going to be better." And I'm thinking, "Well, have you, you know, have you not noticed that Richie Incognito has missed a lot of time? <laughs> I know he had a <laughs> he had a major injury last year, and he played three quarters of the season in his first year back with the Raiders. But uh, he's he you can't really rely on him at the age of 37, 38 years old, coming off of a significant injury. So you have to assume that John Simpson is going to play one way or another, whether it's on the left side or the right side. But I expect that at least a part of the season there could be some choppiness, there could be some uh, issues, some lapses in pass protection, and I think that's going to lead to maybe Derek Carr being a little timid with the football. He mm. may he may resort to more more dump offs early in the season and then air it out later in the season as that line gels. But you have to give that line some time to gel, especially what they're going up against. I mean, the Ravens in the first week, you got the Steelers in the second week, <laughs> the Dolphins. Their pass rush is is no laughing matter. You know, it's 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 going to be tough coming out of the gate. So those guys are going to be tested right away. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the one thing that, you know, Raider fans are pretty excited right now. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be. And and it's not that I am negative about the team. I, I look at the schedule, though, and I, I you pointed out two games to start the season. That's difficult. And the other thing, too, with this offensive line, to your, your great point about Incognito, I'm not really worried about Miller. I think he's going to be fine. Obviously, Denzel Good has played well. Alex Leatherwood, he's a rookie. He's going to make rookie mistakes. So we'll see how that goes but Andre James the quarterback and, and they can talk about them working on the exchange right the exchange between the center and the quarterback Rodney Hudson's been there they had that that relationship they had that 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 rhythm that a quarterback and a center need to have now you throw Andre James and it's nothing against Andre James it's just familiarity with one another um, to me that's going to be another thing to watch early on in the season because two tough games to start the season you can't afford turnover in those types of games and the center quarterback exchange is something to watch isn't it absolutely and, and that stadium even though the Raiders are going to be home it's going to be loud I know Derek Carr <laughs> is probably going to say tell the crowd quiet down quiet down the line of scrimmage but you know especially when they go on the road those stands are going to be loud players are going to have to readjust after not playing in front of fans last year so that's going to be an adjustment but with these new guys coming in it's it's all about it's all about chemistry and I think is they need as much, as many snaps as they can get during the preseason. And I, I wouldn't be mad if Raiders win a couple of overtime games and those guys got some extra snaps because uh, I, I just feel like this offensive line, if it goes south, this, the season can go south pretty quickly. Yeah. Now, if 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 Andre James is the guy the Raiders think he is, and remember they gave him an extension mm-hmm. already, which I thought was pretty questionable. But they gave him the extension. Obviously, they believe in him. If, if he is what they think he is, then they should be fine. 
Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. And then, of course, the rest of the offense, while we're talking about offense, we, we still see Darren Waller has not been at practice. Uh, he was at the practice at Allegiant Stadium this past weekend where he was just in street clothes. He didn't play, didn't participate like many guys didn't, but he's not been in practice at all. Coach Gruden said uh, that, hey, nothing to worry about. We're just being really careful with him. I have no problem with that. Listen, a guy like Darren Waller, uh, players like that, yeah, they got to get in game shape and all that stuff, but Darren Waller was in pretty good shape in the offseason. We saw what he was up to. Um, but then there's, you know, there's murmurs about is he holding out, which I don't think so because you don't show up at practice uh, when you hold out. So uh, I'm not really worried about that. But again, it gets back to the offense getting into a rhythm. And yes, you have Brian Edwards, you have Hunter Renfro, you have, of course, Henry Ruggs, who needs to make that next big step up. You have new additions like John Brown out there as well. And then, of course, Foster Moreau, who's gotten uh, more snaps, which is great because I think Foster Moreau was underutilized last year. But when you look at that receiving core and what they need to do and what this offense needs to do with that new offensive line, um, what about that? What's the concern there for you when you look at that offensive receiving core? My concern is is is, is pretty much the obvious. Now, I've been on social media and I've been watching plenty of camps. There's a lot. Of, there's a ton of buzz with C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is catching everything at Dallas Cowboys camp. I know Raider fans don't want to hear that, but he is. <laughs> and and there's buzz about guys like LaVisca Chenault, Jacksonville, second-year wide receiver. Is Justin Jefferson going to be able to outdo his 1,400-yard season? And there's a lot of buzz about all these wide receivers. And, and if you're a Raider fan, you've been paying attention to Henry Ruggs and the good things Derek Carr said, saying he's violent out of his roots. Uh, he's bulked up. He's better off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I heard I saw a superlative comparing Brian Edwards to Randy Moss. Shout out to Levi Edwards. SuperRaiders.com. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to him. I'm not I'm not making fun of him, but I'm saying that the superlatives are out there for the Raiders wide receivers too, but they have to show it. And I remember mm-hmm. uh, a press conference that Derek Carr did in June. And usually Derek Carr is very positive. He, you know, he always says positive things. Never hear a negative aspect out of Derek Carr's mouth about his teammates. But he did say, you know, we have to see it on the field. Right. And I think that I think that's that's important with this wide receiver core. You have to see it on the field. I think Hunter Renfro is probably the guy that I'm I'm safest with among the young guys. I think he knows what he's doing out of the slot. He's pretty much a guy that you can pencil in for maybe seven, eight hundred yards this year with an extra game on the schedule. I I'm really high on Hunter Renfro this year because he has that report of Derek Carr. He has shown what he can do on the pro level. Now, again, it, it boils down to Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards. Can they take that next step up? Um, the super, as I said, the superlatives are out there, but they have to show it against live defenders in the preseason. I think Raiders fans would feel a lot better if they could see Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards against real defenders scoring touchdowns and making great plays on the field. Right, and, and just like last year, there was a lot of hype, too, around those guys, right? I mean, Brian Edwards, it's, it's, it's like a carbon copy from last year. Oh, this guy's making great catches. He's doing this. He's doing that. And then, of course, he couldn't stay on the field, which was his problem in college, too, right? He, he's, a, he's a gifted, gifted receiver. He's got everything you want. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got the size uh, and, and all of that. But at the same time, uh, per Derek Carr, right, <laughs> you got to show it on the field. And so it'll be interesting, and I, I think you could see that right away. Way, uh, as they get going and also what the coach calls right I mean what, what Gruden calls and what Derek Carr has the confidence he's got to have the confidence that's where we talked about it last year Mo on the on Raider Nation radio right which is a uh, part of the issue with Henry Ruggs last year wasn't just that he needed to improve his routes which he did also that at times he wasn't highlighted but but also you have to have the confidence of your quarterback if you don't he's not going to go to you the, the other thing is 
and a lot of people don't talk about this is when he's outside and he's near the sideline, he has to pull in those catches. Sometimes that he yeah. he would pull in a catch, but he would be out of bounds. Right. And, and I think Mayock touched on it a little bit. He has to have body control. Mm-hmm. I think for a smaller wide receiver, sometimes that's that's tough because if you're getting knocked around by defenders, you have to be able to stay inbounds with the football. But I did want to ask you about a certain wide receiver who. I guess half of Raider Nation is, is split on him and half of Raider Nation is kind of out. Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. Because John Gruden seems very high on Zay Jones. And I was, I was, I, w- I wouldn't say high on Zay Jones, but I thought he would contribute more than he did last year because he is a former second round pick and he did have some flashes with Buffalo Bills before he came to the Raiders. I, I just think, I, I don't see Zay-, Zay Jones making major contributions. I don't listen to a lot of what Gruden says. Sometimes he'll hype up a player and then you find out that player does absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah, I forgot who it was, but I think it was Ryan Grant a couple of years ago. Yep. Gruden talked highly of Ryan Grant, and Ryan Grant did squat during the regular season. <laughs> I am there with Zay Jones. I, I, and it's not because Zay Jones is not a good football player. I just think with the guys they have at the top of the depth chart, and you're bringing in John Brown, if Willie Sneed makes the roster, I don't see where Zay Jones makes any contributions. No, and, and that's the thing I said when, when, when Gruden early in this camp was talked on and on about Zay Jones, was here we go again with Zay Jones. Okay, so, so if John Gruden believes that Zay Jones is that gifted of a receiver, then why doesn't he get snaps? I mean, in the regular season. Now, he's had some, don't get me wrong, but if you're going to make a difference, you're right. He's a former second-round draft pick. And look, I'm not one of those people out there, uh, Mo, that, that after a guy plays one year, I give up on him and say he's a bust, like some people are doing with, with rugs, okay? I think a guy sometimes, especially uh, when they get into the pro game, it takes them a little bit. It might take them two or three years to get to that point. But we've seen him. We've seen the Marcel Aitman love in past years as well. And those guys seem to be close. They seem to be great uh, uh, camp guys. But then when it comes to the regular season, they just don't break into the lineup that much. So I agree with you on that one. And to me, um, maybe maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe he'll make a step up this year. And it's this year uh, is the Zay Jones year. We'll see. But but he's sitting there behind Brian Edwards. And to me, uh, it's no question that you want Brian Edwards to perform because of all the all the the intangibles I told you about earlier when it comes to his athletic ability, his size, his hands, everything. So we'll see how that goes. Now, on the on the other thing on the offense here is running back, right? So this offense has to be able to run the ball effectively. They have Josh Jacobs. They're a very gifted player, a fine young man uh, who's not been able to stay on the field for whatever reason because of injury, whether it's getting beat up and being used too much, whatever it is, it's happened. So they go out, they get Kenyon Drake. I like the Drake signing because then if Josh Jacobs can't can't go, or if you need to spell him, you have a guy who can carry the load. I'm not saying Kenyon Drank should, should be a number one starter in the NFL at this point in his career, but to me, I feel a little more comfortable with that. But how big of a year is this for Josh Jacobs? Not a make or break year per se, but at the same time, Mo, I think you have to see Josh Jacobs make that next step, be able to do better, be able to stay healthier, be able to stay on the field so the Raiders can use him. Raider fans are not going to like what I have to say about Josh. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to put that out there. That's all right. You um, tell it like it is always, man. I, I'm just going to say the signing of Kenyon Drake to me shrinks Josh Jacobs' role. Mm. And I'm not saying Josh Jacobs is going to be under a thousand yards this year. He may still surpass a thousand yards on the ground. But now you don't have to run him into the ground. I think that's a positive that you don't have to right. run him maybe 15, 16 times a game. Now you can you can. Rest him if he needs it. If he's banked up a little bit, you just toss Kenyon Drake in there. I, I'm one of those people who believe 
Kenyon Drake can still be a star in the league, and I think he can carry the load, which he did do in Arizona. Now, he didn't catch a whole lot in Arizona, but he was their main ball carrier. Right. But now you can give you can give Drake 10 to 12 rush attempts. You can give Josh Jacobs 12 to 14. So I don't think his numbers are going to surpass what he did last year as a rookie. I actually think he'll, he'll barely cross, cross 1,000 yards. I don't think he's going to get a lot of targets because I think all those targets, well, most of those targets will go to Kenyon Drake because he can catch the football. Kenyon Drake has two seasons with 50-plus receptions. Right. And he talked about it on Sirius XM. He said he didn't he didn't catch a lot of passes in Arizona. He wasn't necessarily happy about it because he is a versatile playmaker. But he's going to get snaps at, potentially at wide receiver this year, and I think that's going to open up the offense. That's going to give the Rays another dimension to the to their offense. And it's going to take away from Josh Jacobs' role. Again, some people will see that as a negative. I think it keeps him healthy for the duration of the season. So he's at full health. He's not hobbled. He doesn't have a bad knee or gimpy ankle or whatever. I think having both those guys healthy for the duration of the season helps that ground attack, especially if that offensive line is clicking. Those two guys, Drake and Josh Jacobs, they're going to, they're going to pretty much eat behind that line if they could stay healthy. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right. And, and Kenyon Drake, not a lot bigger than Josh Jacobs, but he is a bit bigger. I mean, he's 6'1". He weighs less than Josh Jacobs. But I also think, too, that some of those situations where you, you have to run between the tackles and you take a beating, uh, you're able to now split those snaps between those two guys. And I'll tell you what, man, running back in the NFL, you look at the history, and, and, and just cutting back carries a little bit makes a huge difference for a player, especially now when you have a 17-game season and you have that extra game is going to be big. The other thing, Raider fans, and, and I love the guy too because he's a good guy and he's when he when he does play well, it's very exciting to watch because it's old smash mouth football and that's Alec Ingold. I think though that Alec Ingold really, they need to be able to, to use him more effectively. He blocks great at times. He can improve there, but how important will he be for that, that offense to really get going this season? I really think he can be the guy that you can give goal line carries to. If you don't yeah. want to run Josh Jacobs or have Josh Jacobs leap over a pile, then you could just hand it off to Alec Ingle. I think he can get the job done. Gruden, as we know, loves his fullbacks. <laughs> so I think he may get I think Alec Ingle will get some looks as a as a ball carrier and a receiver. I'm not saying he's gonna pile up a bunch of yards, but I think he'll have some opportunities, some situations where he could score some touchdowns. But really quick, Scott, yeah. um I brought up a, a situation where maybe the Raiders bring in another running back, a well-known running back. Some guys might know him as all-day AP. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a Hall of Famer one day. But um, I brought up that I brought up that scenario simply because, as we know, Jalen Richard is out indefinitely with a foot injury, and I think Jalen Richard was already on the cut line once yep. they brought in Kenyon Drake, who can catch passes out of the backfield. He's learning. He's picking up the blocking schemes. And if he does, I, I think Jalen Richard is going to be out. I don't want to get us cut off the line here, but when you talk about the vaccine and Jalen Richard's injury, I think combination of things is going to lead him to to the scrap pile once the team cuts down to 53 men on the roster. So I, I think I know the Raiders signed Bo Scarborough. I know he's an Alabama guy, and Raiders love their Alabama players and Clemson <laughs> players. But I think if you wanna if you want a bruiser, because that's what Bo is, he's an in-between attack, he's running in between the tackles, doesn't catch a lot of passes, more of a bruiser. If you want a bruiser, a guy who just runs straight downhill, why not give a call to Adrian Peterson? 
that's what he does best, run downhill. Yeah, in fact, we talked about him last year, too, um, and, and the kind of guy who would have been good for the Raiders, especially with that, that veteran leadership in that room. Even though Kenyon Drake, you know, obviously has a little more experience than Josh Drake, they're still pretty young, and, and to have a guy like Adrian Peterson, who's still running the ball really well. I mean, you mm-hmm. see what he did in Washington, what he was able to do um, there. It was fantastic. So I think that's an opportunity as well. So I, wouldn't, I would not be disappointed to see that along the, the, uh, the transaction wire as we get them in our email daily uh, and that's about to heat up here as we get close to first cuts so it'll be interesting but yeah that offense it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the line we're going to watch that closely and we'll talk about that a lot more all right we're going to step aside take one quick break when we come back with mo we'll talk a little bit about the defense and we're going to talk about a defensive player that i'm really hyped about personally whose name is not Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, and we'll talk, to, we'll talk about that when we come back here on Silver and Black Today, brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com. All right, we're back here. Mo Moten, Scott Branson talking Raider football. Hope you guys are all doing well as we head up to the Raiders' first preseason game in a very hot Las Vegas, uh, but it's inside where it's nice and cool. But uh, fans, and a lot of them, will be at Allegiant Stadium for the first ever game with fans against the Seattle Seahawks uh, this coming Saturday. By the way, Mo, did you? I don't know if you saw this today. I'm sure you did because fans are going a little crazy about it. But the Raiders versus Seahawks is the most expensive resale ticket in the preseason, okay? The average ticket price at Allegiant Stadium for the crazy, passionate, best fans in football, Raider Nation, is $267.88. That's 170% higher than the number two most expensive ticket, which is the New England Patriots versus the Washington football team, which is $99.45. Mo, Raider Nation is just chomping at the bit to see their team in person it doesn't matter if it's third or fourth stringers uh they're ready to go in but i know people especially since you didn't get used to it last year all the fans who've not been to a raider game who were used to paying the the low prices in oakland at the coliseum now are going to get hit with sticker shock with a preseason i cannot imagine spending 300 dollars on a preseason game hey if you're balling (laughs) <laughs> you got an action hustle out there. You <laughs> Raiders fans, do your thing. We know how passionate Raiders fans are. About oh yeah. Their team. Yeah, and that, and if they got it, they're they're gonna pay for it. Yeah. Oh, especially especially because you know, after last year when nobody could go to a game, the pent up mm-hmm. demand is palpable, right. and they're gonna be ready to go. And it's going to be. Ro- I mean, you will not hear a louder preseason game in the history of the NFL. I'm gonna say. I'm just gonna go on record to say that. I really think Raider Nation is gonna bring it on Saturday, uh, and the Seahawks, who pride themselves on their 12th man and having the the sound meter go off the charts and all that, they're gonna get. Uh, I think socked in the face with uh, the Las Vegas and the, the new black hole and every, all those guys out there, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Mo, so I'm going to switch now to the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, lots of questions on the defense because they pretty much had to blow up most of it coming into the season after what happened last year and what happened over the last, uh, what, uh, better part of half a decade with this defense, um, especially since uh, we, we saw the Raiders really go young in the draft, go sign some free agents that didn't work out, and, and it just happened that way. So they go out this year, they get Yannick Ngakwe, they go sign Solomon Thomas, they sign Quentin Jefferson, um, then they also uh, go out and they sign a guy 
that I'm really excited about, and that's Gerald McCoy. And that's what I want to talk about because Gerald McCoy, to me, yes, he's 33 years old, okay? But he's got 60 sacks over nine seasons. Injury last year, he signed as a free agent in Dallas. Uh, Peck injury kept him out the entire season. So the last time he played was 2019, Carolina. 16 games, five sacks, okay? Um, And if you look at it, yes, he's in the twilight of his career. But with with Ngakwe next to him, uh, with the veteran leadership that he brings along with the young guys like Crosby um, and the young guys like Jonathan Hankins and, of course, Carl Nassib, who's looking for a bounce back here, Cleveland Furl, who we're waiting for to kind of make that next big step up to me this is a guy i think you should get excited about and and here i'm going to play some clips mo and get your comment on it because here's gerald mccoy talked with the media this week and he talked about coming back and to me it's so important in that locker room especially with this the way this defense has been and some of the dysfunction even we saw last year under paul gunther and then the the firing of paul gunther and the finishing of the season with rod marinelli but here's gerald mccoy talking about injury and being out of football for a year and, and what that meant and what it means for him to come back. This is him from the Jim Rome show this week. Uh, it's Gerald McCoy. Oh, well, life comes at you different ways, man. And, and you never know. Right? Things, you know, unexpected things happen all the time in life, but it's not about what happens, but how you react to it. And uh, I could have easily folded and say, you know what, man, I'm older. What's the point in fighting to get back? You know, let me just get healthy, call it a career, and let it be over with. But, man, I'm from the south side of Oklahoma City, man. We don't fold. We fight. So uh, my I got tested mentally, emotionally, physically. But, you know, God helped me get back. And I just fought and fought and fought. And I always teach my kids to never quit. And I always teach them when times get tough, what happens? You know, it's easy to be the man when things are going great. But I want to see how mentally tough you can be when times are rough. And, and there's no way I could teach them that if I didn't show them and lead by example. So I had to get back. Well, there you go, Jared McCoy. I, I just love that message, uh, Mo, and, and and having a guy like that in the locker room. Now, he's still got to make the team. Don't don't get me wrong. We've seen and heard good things out of camp so far. He's only been there a short time. Still probably got to get in game shape. But talk about Gerald McCoy. And it, I mean, to me, there's no real downside because if he doesn't work out, you let him go. But the upside here, if he can get back to just being a contributor, that combined with the presence in the locker room with a bunch of those young guys in this remade defense under Gus Bradley, I think the upside's massive. Yeah, absolutely. The upside is massive. And I think if he gets back on the field and he's healthy, he can give you a handful of sacks as he's done eight straight seasons with at least five sacks. And if you ask guys about him in uh, Tampa Bay, he spent most of his career there. They'll, they'll all say that he's a good locker room guy. Yeah. And I think the Raiders needed that in a veteran to come in and be a great locker room guy. And of course, contribute on the field. But as you mentioned it, you touched on it a little bit. Last season, the Raiders kind of lost their focus in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. In that playoff race they were in, players kind of alluded to you know, kind of lapses in practice. Derek Carr talked about it a little bit before he retracted his statement. Alec Ingold talked about it. Max Crosby talked about it after the season, how the team may have lost their way in the second half because of lack of focus. I think having a veteran like Jeremy McCoy is very important. Uh, as soon as they sign him, you see clips of him on the uh, Raiders' official Twitter handle, he's out there coaching up guys already. He's showing guys how to, you know, shed tackles, get to get to the quarterback. I think that's very, very important for this defense. They need a guy like him. 
in the front seven. Yeah, having him at that nose tackle position, if he can make a dent there, you know, Jonathan Hankins is a nice player, right? He, but but I think Gerald McCoy is a difference maker if he's full speed, if he's fully healthy. The other thing, too, and I just liked what he had to say this week uh, when he had media availability. So I'm going to play a couple more clips from Gerald McCoy. Here's one, too, and this is more for Raider fans out there because, uh, you know, why do guys want to sign with the Raiders, right? We remember when John Gruden took all that gruff for saying that guys are calling him on the phone his first season because they want to come play for the Raiders. Well, here's Gerald McCoy on why uh, and why he's excited to play for the Raiders and what he thinks this team can do. I believe this team is going to catch a lot of people off guard, man. You know, uh, they they were a few, you know, a few plays last year from winning 10 games. You know, they won eight games, but they were so, just a few plays off from winning you know, another two, three, four games. And I believe that, you know, bringing in uh, Coach Bradley and his philosophy and bringing in a couple extra vets like Yannick. You know, Yannick is – he he knows how to play this game, man. He's gotten to the quarterback a lot. He's had a lot of success in this league. You know, Casey Hayward, you bring in myself. We got a lot of vets we bring in, and it it helps. You teach guys how to be pros. You know, I always speak about – the difference in being a professional, being a pro. When you get drafted, or when you whether you're not drafted, if you sign a contract to a team, you're a professional football player. That doesn't make you a pro. That doesn't make you know how to watch film. That doesn't make you know how to take care of your body off the field. It doesn't make you know how to uh, know what formations you're about to see and use a certain technique. That's where the vets come in. And the grind of the vets teaching the young guys how to be pros and the rough days, the tough days, and bring it all together. And then we have such a great coach and Coach Gruden, man. He's grinding us every day, but he also takes care of us, especially the vets. He, 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 we're going to work, and then we're going to rest. And we do so much team camaraderie stuff, man. I, I'm really excited about what this team could be. I'm so excited about getting going and opening day, man. It's going to be a great one. So there's Gerald McCoy talking with Jim Rome. Uh, thanks to Jim Rome for that audio. Uh, and 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 the, th- the thing with that, Mo, we talked about him being a good locker room guy. That's another example of it. But talking about being a professional versus being a pro, right? So, so a contract does not make you a pro. And I think that message goes beyond that defensive line room. That message goes to guys like Trayvon Mullen, Keyshawn Nixon, Damon Arnett, and Jonathan Abram. And that's the kind of message that these guys now on the wider defense and with Gus Bradley as coach is vital because if you're going to get a Trayvon Mullen or a Jonathan Abram to perform up to their ability, we heard issues last year, like you said, with focus, with maturity. And I think that that is so very important and a key for this defense. Hey, even if this defense can get to middle of the road, uh, they're going to put their team in a much better position to win and make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't talking directly to Damon Arnett, but Damon <laughs> Arnett should be listening to yes, that message because exactly. Mayock said that, you know, beyond the field stuff with Damon Arnett, he has to apply himself away from the field. Mm-hmm. And of course, Damon Arnett came back both of, got his body in shape, but he, he may not start this year. He may be a backup to Casey Hayward. And, and Casey Hayward is another guy I think comes in as a former captain under Gus Bradley and with the Los Angeles Chargers. Guys like that, Gerald McCoy, Casey Hayward, even Carl Joseph, guys who've been in around who've been around the league for a bit, can teach these young guys like not only on the field what to do when you see a certain coverage, when you see a certain play, what to do, but what to do off the field. And I think that's very important, especially when you're when you're going through practices in the heat of the season 
And 17 games, it's a long season. You're going through months and months of practice and games and, and the, whole, the entire grind. You just have to be mentally dialed in. And, and which takes me to something that blew up on Twitter a couple of days ago. Uh, Arden Key had a lot to say <laughs> about the Raiders' defense, right? And and I just want to put out there that I, I wish Arden Key the best. I hope he has a great career. I hope he goes to San Francisco and he lives up to his potential. But when he stepped up to the podium, I heard zero accountability. Right. I heard they, 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 they. The reason I feel is because them, them, them. This is what happened to me. I didn't hear any type of, well, I could have done better. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit, but this is what I could have done better to make the situation to produce more big plays. This is what I could have changed. This is what I could have put forth. I didn't hear any accountability. And to me, when you bring in guys like Gerald McCoy and you bring in guys like Casey Hayward, even Carl Joseph, and I'm hearing it from Yannick Ngakwe too, kind of a leadership type of voice. I think those guys are going to be the, the ones to hold younger players like Arden Key accountable. Right. And I think you have to stop pointing the finger away from you and saying, what can I do? Maybe the situation isn't perfect. What situation is perfect in our lives? How many perfect <laughs> situations do you come across in your lifetime? Sometimes you have to make the best of a less than ideal situation. And right. I think having veterans will help that young team do that. Right. Being professional versus just being a pro because you signed a contract. And and by the way, too, Mo Hurst, uh, who, who's a nice young guy and everything. And I, I got to spend time with him uh, before COVID hit, you know, at various events and all that stuff. Really respect the kid. But at the same time, he also had a little bit of that. It wasn't as as direct and as uh, uh, profuse as uh, as as uh, um, mm-hmm. Arden Key was. But I think that's why they're no longer with the Raiders. And they can blame the situation situation with the Raiders if they want. And I'm not saying it didn't go well. And the whole situation with Gunther and, and Gruden maybe keeping that thing going too long, that's certainly on the coach. But at the same time, you're right. You got to step up and be accountable. And, and, and Mo, you look at the competitive nature of this camp on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the front seven. Let's look at defensive tackle, right? They go out, you have Quentin Jefferson, you have Solomon Thomas, you have Darius Phylon, you have Vickers and Darius Stills. That's that's musical chairs right there, right? Those guys are going to have to just knock down, drag it out to see who makes that team. When you look at that set of defensive tackles and some of the free agents they brought in, uh, who do you like there and who do you think is going to maybe step up and, and that we might see really jump to the forefront of being a starter there for the Raiders up front? I like Quentin Jefferson. A lot of people mm-hmm. are not talking about him because he's not a high sacks guy. But he, if you looked at where he's been previously with the Bills and the Seahawks, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, he, he's been a solid defender. He can also get to the quarterback. Um, he's not going to play 75% of the stats. He may play 50-60. But I think he'll be a, ro- a solid rotational piece. I like Darius Steele's coming out of West Virginia. I know he's on the NFI list with a minor injury. He said he'll be back soon. I, I was really hoping that he would make the roster because I think he can make a difference if he could stay healthy there in the middle. I don't know about Darius Phylon. I know he has a history with Gun, uh, Gus Bradley, but I just I don't think he makes it. Thomas Solomon, Solomon Thomas, has been an interesting player when brought up in conversation because initially I didn't think he would make the roster. Right. But I'm seeing reports now that the Raiders may use him inside and outside, sort of kind of like Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. And it's funny because I think those two guys, I think their, their career pathways are very similar. Two yeah. guys who were drafted... A lot of people felt higher than they should have. And they don't have the pass rush skill set to, to rack up a lot of sacks, but they have versatility. So I, I see Solomon Thomas in a similar light as Cleveland Farrell, where they're going to be playing on rundowns on the outside, possibly kicking inside in sub packages. So I, I don't want to reverse course on what I think about Solomon Thomas making the roster or not. I still think it's going to be tough for him 
with Gerald McCoy in there, especially if he if he's healthy and makes the roster. But Solomon Thomas is a guy I'm watching during the preseason to see how healthy he is because remember he is coming off of a significant injury. Yeah, and, and I know a lot of folks going into this season and going into this first preseason game want to put a lot of focus on that young defensive backfield. The additions, as you said, of Casey Hayward, which I think was a massive one, and then, of course, Carl Joseph in his second stint with the Raiders. Those are, those are big signings potentially. But right now, I think that that front seven, we know from watching this team over the last four years, they've been unable to muster a pass rush. So to me, uh, to, to help those guys on the back end, develop more they've got to be good up front and then you look at the linebackers and I got to say this you know where I stand I don't care if Tanner Muse is listed number one on the depth chart he is Uh not number one okay I again this is this is like the Zay Jones situation to me now I'm not again Tanner Muse hey if he proves me wrong I'm totally fine with it I have no I'm wrong all the time as my wife tells me so I have no problem whatsoever if Tanner Muse proves me wrong I just don't see it. I've never seen it, and we'll, I guess we'll get a sense for it when we see him play in some preseason games. Uh, but you, of course, have that, that linebacking core. We're seeing, again, Javen White, who is the free agent out of UNLV right there in Las Vegas. Um, he's, he's been a, a little bit of a talk of camp. It's been a little bit of a murmur, but it's there. And then, of course, Corey Littleton, who I really believe, I, in my heart of hearts, Mo, I think Corey Littleton's going to come out. He's going to get back to the Corey Littleton that this team signed when he left the Rams. A lot of buzz about the Raiders linebacking court. And he, I'm going to start off with the Tanner Muse situation because that your take made, made me laugh. But <laughs> I, I'll say this. The, the whole Tanner Muse discussion on social media to me is is not even that deep because no. he's the third. He's he's basically going to play in the base alignment. And we right. all know now in the <laughs> NFL, you play a spread defense where you have two linebackers. You're, you're mainly playing two primary linebackers and an extra defensive back. So even if he is the quote-unquote starter, he's not going to play with a third of the snaps, if right. that. Right. You know, you really want to focus on Corey Littleton and, and Nicholas Morrow, who are going to be your primary linebackers in, in most alignments. Now, you mentioned Corey Littleton, and, I, and, I, and I'm with you on that one. A good football player just doesn't become a borderline starter over the course of a year. Right. I, I think Corey Littleton was, I don't want to call him a victim, but he, he didn't do well under Paul Gunther's scheme. <laughs> I think he talked, he's talked about it, a little too much thinking, a little less reacting. Right. And I think Gus Bradley's simplified scheme will help him react more than he's thinking, and you'll see close to the player that you stole the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the other thing with Nick Wachowski, a lot of, a lot of fans have made a big stink about this. Why is he a backup if he played? He had a, you know, he had a decent season with the Raiders last year. Why is he a backup, and why is he not you know, pegged to get more snaps? And what I will say about this is he ran a 4-7. I know 40s aren't everything. Right. But if you listen to Gus Bradley this offseason, he wants speed on the field, especially at his linebacker position. And Morrow ran a 4-5 coming out of Greenville. So I kind of, I don't want to say I saw this coming, but I'm not surprised that he went with a faster linebacker. Well, and, and, and let's face it. I mean, we, we talk about, I mean, Nicholas Morrow to me is a great story, right? Here's a guy, not only, like you said, where he came out of Greenville, but also the fact that he's just worked his ass off. I mean, he's just, he's become a better football player to the point where um, he's there, right? He's doing well. And I think with Nick Kwiatkowski, to your point, look, Nick Kwiatkowski to me, when they signed him, this wasn't some earth, this wasn't a Corey Littleton signing. It was a good, solid linebacker that you're going to use. And to your point, in the older system, uh, it was a different situation. Now, 
now you need to rely more on the speed. So you got to go with a guy who's going to do it. And Nick Witkowski will get his share of snaps. I have no doubt about it. He's a good pro, but he's not a great pro. He's not a guy like Corey Littleton who can be a game changer when he's playing at top of his game. So to me, I'm not surprised by that either. And by the way, this this whole uh, depth chart is really unofficial. We, we won't know what happens until we get through this preseason, uh, this new shortened preseason. Uh, but but certainly that to me is big. And guys like Javen White, of, of course, I'm an alum of UNLV, so I root for the kid. Um, and we'll see if he makes that next step up. But to me, and then you have Divine Diablo, who, of course, injured early in camp, has not been out there. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, so much of this is hype. But if you look at, I think, I think that's what's lost on people, Mo. And, and you bring up a great, great point, which is look at the system and maybe a lot of fans, if they haven't looked at what Gus Bradley likes or listened to what he said, because that's exactly what he said about the speed and being able to fly around the ball. uh, You look at that and it's not just how good the player is. It's do they fit the system and what they want to accomplish and what they want to do on the field in their sets. Absolutely. And and I think he mentioned this too. He wants guys who can, I know people hear this a lot. He wants linebackers who run sideline to sideline. Right. And that means you can cover laterally because you got running backs catching out of the backfield now at high rate. You got tight ends catching footballs now. So you got to be able to guard the scene, sideline to sideline with the running backs. And again, you need that speed. But I just want to mention the quick X factor here. And that's, as we heard, Wright visited the Raiders, left without a contract. Mm-hmm. So if they bring in a KJ Wright, I'm wondering what what then happens to the depth chart because if they bring in KJ Wright, I believe Tanner Muse, then no way he starts <laughs> because he's probably KJ Wright is probably going to play that that Sam that strong side linebacker position. Right. Uh, KJ Wright has the has the size for it. He he knows the system. He's played under Gus Bradley for two years. Uh, I know he's he's probably has maybe he has other offers. Maybe he's waiting for other offers to develop as injuries come in during the preseason. But I think if the Raiders were to bring in a guy like KJ Wright. It goes back to your point about Gerald McCoy. Now you have another grizzled veteran who can teach these young guys how to prepare for a football game, how to practice, how right. to take care of their bodies. And I think KJ Wright fits into that mold. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna save a wider discussion around the defensive backs for next time, Mo. But when you look at when you look at the start of this preseason and what happens with this defensive back. Who's under more pressure? Is it Damon Arnett or is it Jonathan Abram? Now, Jonathan Abram moving to that box safety is going to help him significantly, I believe. Uh, and it seems like we're hearing some of the stories uh, like our friends like Vinny Bonsignor have been writing. has, has talked about Abrams being uh, more subdued in camp, being more mature in camp and all of that. Who's under more pressure here to, to really perform and perform early, Arnett or Abram? That's close, but I'm going to easily say John Abram. Simply because... Number one, the Raiders have to make a decision on his rookie contract. As you know, first-rounders have a fifth-year option. So the Raiders can decline that option and it will put him in a, in a contract year next year. Mm-hmm. So he's got pressure to perform because he's got a contract situation. The other thing is the Raiders brought in multiple players who could play his box position. Carl Joseph, Tyree Gillespie, even Devon Diablo could play that position that yep. John Abrams is in the box. So if he doesn't play well, the Raiders could have a short hook for him and pull him out or... or restrict his snaps a little bit and bring in another player who maybe may fill the job better than he can. So he's under immediate pressure where he has guys behind him and he has the long term pressure where he has the team has to make a decision on his contract. Whereas Damon Arnett, even if he doesn't play, if he's a backup, let's say, behind Casey Hayward, he's still only in the second year of his of his deal. Right. Unless the Raiders trade him, he would still have another year to kind of prove himself because Casey Hayward's probably going to be one and done uh, at his age. So there's still time for Damon Arnett. Whereas John Abram, he has to perform now. 
Yeah, great point. And and we'll get into, like I said, next time we'll talk a lot more about the defensive backs, especially after we get to see them in action on Saturday in Las Vegas against the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Mo, we'll close out the show talking a little bit about that. Of course, preseason games for football geeks like us and those that cover the sport, you know, we're watching all sorts of individual performances and, and little things here and there. But when you look at this first game, what are you going to be watching most? Is it going to be that one side of the offensive line? Is it going to be the defensive defensive backs is it going to be the the spectacular Tanner Muse or what are you looking for in this first game <laughs> as you as you watch the Raiders go out in front of a rabid Raiders crowd in Las Vegas I would say offensive line because that's to me that's the most important but that's no fun uh, who, who sits there and watches a preseason game for the offensive line Their let's parents? be honest yep. <laughs> right <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna go with defensive backs and i think trayvon merrick we see i saw reports that he's he's pretty good in one-on-one coverage mm-hmm. Raiders haven't really had that since uh charles Woodson, hall of famer charles woodson mm-hmm. playing that position so i want to see him in the backfield flying around making tackles maybe grab a pick or two and i want to see who wins that that slot cornerback position. Mm. Marcus Joyner had that spot for a couple years. Of course, they let him go. He's with the Jets now. He's in he's in my neck of the woods. But I want to see who's the guy that steps up there. Is it is it is it Hobbs? Yeah. Because there's a lot of buzz about Hobbs coming in out of Indiana, and a lot of people are saying watch out for him. But I will caution people. He like Amik Robinson, who's also competing to play for that slot, play in that slot position. He's moving from outside to inside. Yep. So he's going to have to technically learn a new position. Uh, as we know, Kev, uh, Nevin Lawson has to serve, I believe, as a two-game suspension. Yes, So there's one guy is going to – somebody is going to start there and it's not going to be Nevin Lawson the first week. So Amik Robinson, Hobbs, maybe Rasul Douglas, who is it going to be starting inside that slot position? I want to see who steps, who stands out during the preseason in that role. Yeah, I agree with you on, on the cornerbacks there too as well and, and positioning. And I want to see – to me too, it's always interesting not only where those guys are lined up, but how the how Gus Bradley is going to use these guys and, and what we're going to see. Of course, they're not going to give away too much in a preseason game, but just to see the positioning and situations that he puts specific players in I think will be very telling even after the first week because they got to go to the roster cuts right away as well. So we're going to see some of these guys on the depth chart are going to be gone in a week uh, and to see how uh, Gus Bradley is thinking. You'll get a little insight, very, very little, because they're very guarded clearly in the preseason, but we'll get a sense for where they're at. And I agree with you at that at that slot position uh, at cornerback, Nate Hobbs, uh, again, he's the, he's on, on top with with Tanner Muse, Zay Jones, as being kind of the, the coach love uh, fest player of the of the week of camp. And so we'll see how he does out there. But, but I'm intrigued by him, but you're right. Switching the position, it's difficult. We saw last year with Robertson and, and, and the, the action he did get and, and how poorly he looked at time. He's still a player that I like a lot and root for uh, just because he's, he's, he's one of those types of players that this plays over his head at times and, and does really good at it. So we'll have to see. And Trayvon Morig, same thing. Man, he's, he, he looks like the kind of guy that, that you can get really excited about. So it'll be fun to watch those young guys out on the field with some live action with some other adults on the field and, and, and all the fluff can go away and we'll see some performance as these pros line up against one another as well. So, and that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Silver and Black Today here with Mo Moten and Scott Branson. By the way, Mo, we got some big news we're going to announce next week about a special project we're working on. And I know I'm, the our listeners always give me crap when I tease them with something and then don't give it to them. <laughs> 
but but it's we're naming gonna, a game. You gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta, do, you it. gotta do it, right? So make sure you uh, tune in next week. Uh, we'll have a bunch of announcements. It'll be up on the website. It'll be here. It'll be elsewhere. That's all I can say. Uh, but I'm really excited about something we're going to be doing with Mo. So make sure you do that. Also, don't forget to follow Mo uh, at tw- on Twitter because he's one of the only people on Twitter who speaks with reason constantly. And I include myself in that because every once in a while I lose my head. Um, but it's at Mo M O E M O T. T-O-N, Mo Moten. Uh, you can follow me as well at LV Gully. Uh, and also make sure you check out Mo's great work all over the place uh, on Bleacher Report when it comes to the NFL. And I know, Mo, you got a piece coming out, a real interesting piece uh, about a certain player in Florida, correct? Absolutely. A very polarizing <laughs> player. But a lot of people are going to raise their eyebrows at this take. But it's funny because we were talking off air about the connection between this player and and quarterback Derek Carr. And that's, yes. gonna, that's the only teaser I'm going to put out. Yes. Yeah, so, so just if you follow Mo on Twitter, if you already don't, most of Raider Nation already does, um, as Mo unfortunately knows at time, because even the because there's that small percentage of Raider Nation that is crazy and, and thinks Mo is biased, <laughs> which is really interesting because he's the only guy who I never see any bias from. But nonetheless, uh, if you follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, you will see the piece we're talking about, uh, which drops this week, and you definitely don't want to miss that. I'd love to hear people. We'll talk about it on the next show, Mo, because the comparison with Derek Carr uh, in, in this player and some of what happens with them on and off the field is interesting, so we'll have to talk about that. But, Mo, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for being with us today. Appreciate you having me on, Scott. Uh, as you said, we'll, we'll talk next week about the piece and a lot of other things, and we'll have the preseason game to talk about. Yeah, well, Of actually- course, people are going to overanalyze that. So <laughs> if, just remember, if a player drops, if Henry Ruggs drops a pass in that preseason game, he's definitely a bust. He's definitely just a bust in a preseason game. <laughs> oh, by the way, I will tell you this, too, because I, I started the show talking about how from one camp, it's great that we don't have to talk about Derek Carr, but that's until you see Marcus Mariota on the field, and then oh, we'll yeah. have to see how much better he is, right? <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. And oh, then, yeah. And the then, Matt McGloin effect. And those five Nathan Peterman people are going to come out, too, you know. Cause, cause Shout out to Matt Holder, who does great work. He loves Nathan Peterman, by <laughs> yeah, because Peter Mint will throw two touchdown passes late in the game, and suddenly uh, there's going to be a quarterback competition uh, for what I don't know. Yeah. But nonetheless, there will be those people as well. All right, for Mo Moten, uh, I am Scott Branson. Make sure you check out VegasSportsToday.com. Also, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, your friends in Raider Nation to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating wherever you get it. You can get it on Apple. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on Odyssey. You can get it on Stitcher. Wherever you listen to podcasts or audio, you will find this podcast, and we certainly appreciate uh, your patronage there. For Mo, I'm Scott Cobranson. We'll talk to you next time here on Silver and Black Today. Take care, Raider Nation. This has been the Silver and Black Today podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, may the autumn wind always be at your back.